You're watching The Luke Bryan Show. Hello, everyone. It's the uh, Luke Bryan Show. I'm Luke Zacharias from uh, in Chilliwack, British Columbia. And I am Brian Vickers, lawyer in Abbotsford, British Columbia. And today we are going to talk about uh, attempting to balance life in law and, and kind of the rest of the things that, that have our demands. Work-life balance. Yes. Very, very uh, popular topic in law schools and in, and in our society in general. Yeah, it's probably the most frequent question we get anytime we go to career fairs or any sort of recruiting events. You know, uh, anyone aspiring to be a lawyer comes up and says, what's your policy on work-life balance? Yeah. So Luke, Luke talks to me. What's, what's the policy on work-life balance? <laughs> the policy is, yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's a bit more complicated than answering in one or two sentences. But, but I think it, it's nuanced. And here's the nuance is that ultimately our philosophy of, of law is that uh, law is exceptionally difficult, and really the first five years of law are, are really hard for anyone, if, if you want to be good. Now, I mean, you, there, are, there are multiple races to run here, and there's more than one way to go. And, and when I say good, that shouldn't, I should be more nuanced than that. If you want to be a strong trial lawyer, then I would say uh, you have to put in a huge amount of work in the first five years to, to, to learn the skill set. I don't there. see how it's different from trial versus, I mean, we talk about the difference between litigators and solicitors. I, I, I don't think it's... I don't think it's particular to litigation. I, I think it's particular to being a lawyer and learning the craft. Yeah, and then I've used different analogies for this before. One is like uh, the first few years of law are like you're building a house and, and you dig a big hole and you put in the foundation and then at the end you cover that all up and you never see it again. But if you don't have a good foundation, your house falls apart. And that's so analogous to learning to be a lawyer. If you don't, and, and if you miss those first few years, if you don't get the experiences and the knowledge that you need, I, I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen a lawyer recover from that and become a good lawyer later in their career. The, the difficulty is, is that year over year over year, the expectations of you as an associate, not, not by whatever firm you're working for, but, but, but for the clients that you're working for, mm. uh, escalates substantially. And so, you know, and, and that's a byproduct of your hourly rate, which in your hourly rate moves from year to year to year. And so, you know, as you, as you start charging hundreds of dollars an hour, the expectation of you is that you're going to do good work. But if you haven't put in the time, you can't do good work, and and it, and it becomes becomes quite a quite a hurdle to get over. So so the yeah, I guess ultimately when I look at what work life balance to me, I think of a few things. One, I mean, I love my job. I get to work generally around between six and seven in the morning, and I I the day just disappears and I, it's like, it's three in the afternoon. I'm like, what happened? And I, but I, but I have a real passion for what I do and it's just so enjoyable. So, so to me, work is just joy for me. And, and so what, when I look back at what have I, what have I lost in my life? Well, I used to watch a lot more, watch a lot more TV, um, maybe spend more time on the internet, things like that. Uh, I still have a very robust social life. I have a robust family life, but, but I really cut out most aspects of my life outside of, well, I used to play hockey recreationally. I used to read books a lot. I read a lot at work, but I don't read books recreationally anymore. So, and, and it also having a young family puts a lot of extra pressure on you in, in this context as well. So, so I, I mean, it is, there's no doubt it's a big challenge, but the challenge for us as in terms of building a law firm, at least from my perspective is if you don't train your lawyers in those first few years to get over that hump, it's really hard to have a good law firm. Yeah. And I would, would add to that. I, I would say that 
there's no easy answer to work-life balance. At the end of the day, we talk about everyone needs to run their own race and everyone needs to find their own balance ultimately. I mean, that's what it comes down to is you need to find out what it is, where your limits are and, and push your limits and find out, you know, what, what your, um, capacity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what your capacity is to do various things and, and it's, it's different for every single person. And, and the reality is the harder that you push yourself, the harder that you, especially in those early years, push yourself, the, the less you need to push yourself in the future, because there is, we talk about pushing the envelope or, or, or having new experiences, but the reality is if you're always pushing the envelope at some point, there's, you've pushed most of the envelopes and there's very few things left to do. Absolutely. And so, you know, everything's kind of behind you and you don't have those new uh, experiences to, to go through. And so the more of those you can conquer in your early years, the, the, the less afraid of them you are in your late years. And another aspect of this, and we touched on this a bit, and this is why this answering this question is so difficult. When I say young lawyers talking to me, uh, if you know my the first trial I ever did was over two, a $2,000 phone bill and I didn't sleep the whole night. I, I was so stressed and I was successful on that trial. And, and, but what happened, I was an, I think I was, a, I was an articling student when I did that trial and, and then I did a $7,000 case and then I did a $10,000 case and then I did a $50,000 case and then I did a $250,000 case and then I did multi-million dollar cases, but you have to work your way up. And if you miss those first few years, it's so hard to go back to be, Hey, I'm a seven year lawyer and I'm doing a $2,000 phone bill. Uh, it doesn't work. And, and the, the concepts of trial work are, are very similar from doing that $2,000 phone bill to a multi-million dollar case. It gets more complex in some ways, but the basic bones of the case are quite similar. And But you can't jump straight to a multi-million dollar case. You just can't. You're going to mess it up really badly. And we're talking about it from the perspective of litigation. I, I think it applies to all aspects of law, but I we talk about pushing limits. And for me, one of my earliest experiences, I think it was my third or fourth trial, I was doing a five-day trial in New Westminster and I I remember I did it by myself and I worked every night and got up early I probably slept one to two hours a night for five nights and I remember pushing as hard as you can for the client and then I was in closing submissions and I gave my closing submissions which was which they went okay and then uh, the other side gave their their position and then I had an opportunity to reply and by the time I stood up to reply I couldn't put two words together let alone a sentence and it was it was difficult uh, I ended up winning the trial I don't know how but it, I remember my brain didn't work. And so I pushed myself to the limit of fatigue and exhaustion and, and realizing what that was. And from that moment forward, what I realized is I can't push that hard and it does a disservice to the client and it does a disservice to the court and it does a disservice to the profession. And so if, even if my, you know, closing submissions aren't completely every I is dotted and T is crossed, it's better that I get eight hours of sleep in my, before I go into closing submissions so that my brain works and I can function and I can respond to those questions on the fly and be a good advocate in court. And, but if you, if you don't push that envelope, you don't know when to dial back or what you can do and what you can't do and, and how, how, to, how, to, how to be a good lawyer. In, in another aspect, and this goes back to what I was saying a bit earlier is, uh, of this, is um, a lot of litigators, a lot of people in our field rarely, if ever, go to trial. Some, many actually never go to trial. And, and if you don't have that experience of going to trial, maybe walk me through your thoughts on your effectiveness as an advocate if you haven't you don't have that skill set 
Well, I mean, going back to the work-life balance piece, mm-hmm. um, trial work is exceptionally difficult. I mean, it's the it's it's the end game, right? I mean, it's 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 everything. And this is we just talked about, you know, working 23, 22 hours a day for five days straight. I mean, that that's, that's what trial work is, right? So there, there's no such thing as work-life balance when you're in trial. At the end of the day, it's it's your client, it's their life, and they get, we talk about it, eight mile, one shot, one opportunity, and, that, and that's it, right? It's, and you have to leave it all on the field. And so getting to that stage is a process. Before I ever did my first trial, I was fortunate enough to junior three trials in my articlings with amazing lawyers that taught me the process, brought me through it. And uh, but you have to do the work. Even as a junior, you're doing the work. And, mm-hmm. and so when we talk about work-life balance, I, I couldn't be where I am and you couldn't be where you, where you are if we didn't put the work in to start, right? And, yeah. and you got to push that envelope to start. And, it, and so I see kind of two paths, but ultimately, if you want to be a good traveler, those first few years are absolutely critical that you work incredibly hard to build the skill set. But then it does then once you have your skill set down and you know how to do trials and you've done trials, you can dial back if you want at that point. And, and you talk about it in terms of like your experience of doing 22 hours a day and being exhausted at the end and, 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 and finding that limit when you're young and then you can, you can dial it back. But I think you've said you can never, you can never go up. Like walk me through your thoughts on that. Well, I think the simple thing is you can't rest on your laurels until you have them, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to you have to earn those things first. Um, but yeah, you can you can dial back, but dialing up, I, I think, is is impossible. I, in in a lot of ways, I, if if you're five years into your career and all of a sudden you're trying to find a new gear, I I've never seen anyone do it. I've mm-hmm. never heard it being possible. Uh, if if you've had that gear early days and you have that overdrive and you have that you know sixth or seventh gear or whatever it is, you can always ride in fourth or fifth gear and then dial up to that gear but you you can't you can't ever top out at fourth gear and find a seventh gear it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work i've never seen it work yeah yeah so i mean this is a tough answer because a lot of you know the but i I think there's a secondary part of this answer that i i hear a lot uh, people say oh millennials are lazy uh, they don't want to work etc they want work-life balance and and one of the things i i found I, we work with lots of millennials and you might even fit into the very beginning of the millennial category you're right i don't on the know edge. what <laughs> yeah. 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 i don't know anyway but but it's the why and, and the why is so critical to me because to me if you are working for a purpose working hard is easy. If you are working hard just to kind of churn through and earn a paycheck, that's really, really difficult. And, and, and so I think the why for you and me is so critical. And, and what really catches people is that why, why do we do what we do? Right. So we're fortunate that we don't work with those people a lot. I think at our firm anyways, I mean, our, our firm is all about the why everyone at our firm cares and, and appreciates that in order to, to care, we talk about the eight mile, I mean, the one shot, the one mm-hmm. opportunity. I mm-hmm. mean, you're not, you're not working a nine to five in that situation when you have somebody's life in your hands. Yeah. It's, it's, it's everything to you. So the why is so important. And so I don't think there's ever an issue of whether you're working hard or not working hard. I think the the bigger question is what are your limits? What are your capacities and how do you, balance life, right? I mean, you can't work all the time. People burn out and then mental health is, is a huge issue and, and trying to balance all of those things together is, is I think the bigger question it's, it's fortunately in, in, in our practice or certainly at our firm, it's not, it's, it's not about people trying to work nine to five, collect a paycheck and, you know, do the bare minimum. It's, it's, it's about people saying, how do I dial back? And, and us really trying to support saying, 
take the weekend, stop working so hard. I know you care. I know what the why is, but you need to dial back. And, and I think that's the bigger push that we have is trying to dial our lawyers back mm-hmm. and find a balance rather than trying to dial them up. I think more when I was talking about the why is, is, is igniting passion in people because passion leads to a different view on things. If you, if you say, Hey, I have this client and I can make a huge difference in their life. If I, if I apply myself to me, that that's very powerful. Like that's a very powerful, uh, uh, approach. And I, what I found with millennials in our organization is once they get that, why they see things completely differently because they have such a passion to, to help this, this people or these people who are our clients. And, and then I think the, 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 the question changes. I think the question changes to how can I help this person the most? And, and what can I do as a human to help this person the most? And it's a totally different question. And that, that why to me is so critical. Simon Sinek has a book called Start With Why, which I, I really enjoyed reading. And, and he talks about the Wright brothers and, and, and they you know, flew the first plane. And, and it's a fascinating story because I, the part I didn't know is there was a, a famous engineer scientist in, in New York City. He'd been given millions, the equivalent of in today's dollars, millions and millions of dollars to figure out this problem. I think he worked at the Smithsonian Institute the media was falling around the, the, the Wright brothers were two brothers that owned a bicycle shop and the, like no one knew who they were they were nobodies and they they solved the problem of flight because they had such a passion for it they loved it the other guy was you know doing media tours and and he was in it for the fame these guys were in it because they loved it so much and they they, they, they embraced the passion of that challenge and they, they crashed over and over and over again until they actually flew. But, but the, the point of the story in, in Start With Why is like when you have passion, it changes your perspective on everything. And I think that underlies so much of what you and I do is it's that passion to really make a difference in people's lives. And, and so then the question isn't for me, okay, how little work can I do? It's, it's more a question of how can I help this person the most and what's, how am I most effective to, to really change this person's life? So to bring it all full circle, I, people say what's work-life balance and how do I be an effective advocate or lawyer or solicitor or barrister or, or whatever. At the end of the day, the, the, the fact is you have a mountain to climb. Absolutely. Whether it's, whether you want to say you got to climb, you know, Mount Everest or whatever it is, you, you got to get to the top of that mountain. And the only way to do that is time and you have to put in the time to get to the top of that and whether you call it 5,000 hours or 10,000 hours or however long it takes to climb to that top of the mountain you can do it in three years or four years if you're climbing you know 12 hours a day 14 hours a day whatever it is and it's going to take you longer to climb that mountain if you stretch it out over a bunch of years and so so the reality is and you know what i always tell you know our associates or or anyone who asks me about this work-life balance as i say run your own race Mm -hmm. find find the pace that works for you to get up that mountain as quick as you can and if you can do it in three years great if it takes you eight years it takes you eight years but get to that top of that mountain find a pace that works for you and and the only way you know how fast you can run is if you push your limits and then you can dial back and everyone runs a different pace uh don't try and get there in three years just because somebody else did in three years Mm -hmm. absolutely and so there's space for that so there's space for different approaches but but ultimately i think the one thing that is consistent with what how you're describing it and i'm describing it is you you have to and this is one of the really hard parts about actually being a human but it's very it, it it comes out in law a lot is it's uncomfortable to be challenged it's uncomfortable to be in situations where there's a lot of unknown and and it's it's and as 
as humans, there's part of us that really wants to avoid that. And, and what we need to do to actually become really good at being a trial lawyer or a lot of other skills is actually embrace that discomfort. And so, you know, I mean, walk through what it was like to walk into a courtroom the first or second time and you have no idea what's going on and who, who the players are and how the informal rules of a courtroom work and, and how challenging that is. Yeah, so to bring it back to the Everest analogy, I guess, uh, I don't think as a lawyer you ever get to the top of Mount Everest. It's, it's not possible. I mean, the, the, the peak's always moving, and, you know, you, you never quite get to the top. And, and that's the great thing about law and the profession of law is that it's challenging, and it'll always be challenging, and there's always something new around the next corner, and it's always there. But that being said, the, the higher up that mountain you get, the, the, the more things are, are below you and you've already done. And so one of those things is walking into a courtroom. Uh, one of those things is... is how to navigate a courtroom and, you know, uh, the, the, the courtroom etiquette, as they call it, and, you know, deferring to your friend or, or uh, any of those things. And those, those are things that aren't in a book anywhere. Those are things you have to go observe, you have to be a part of, and if you get them wrong, you look silly and, you know, you, you get slapped by the judge or, or opposing counsel or, or whoever. And, and, yeah, I mean, there, it's terrifying. And, and, but once you get that foundation and you understand the courtroom etiquette, I mean, maybe people will uh, appreciate golf. You know, you don't step in somebody's line or, you know, all these silly rules that yeah. don't make any sense in golf. Uh, but, you know, it's the same thing with court and I think anywhere. And, and until you play the game or go there, you don't know those things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the one difference to a golf game is in a courtroom, it's exceptionally adversarial. Everyone, and, and, and when I was a young lawyer, I, you know, judges, masters would be relentless in making fun of you if you, if you, some of them anyway, not all of them, some were compassionate and nice, but there's certainly some that you may. most judges to be quite compassionate, especially when you're starting out. They, 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 they remember. There was a, maybe some few older schooler ones before you, uh, <laughs> that I was in front of in, in the old days and they were, yeah. they were, they would like make a comedy routine and making fun of mistakes that young lawyers made. And, and that certainly was not a fun process. I've only seen that once. I've only yeah. seen that once in my career. I've seen that more yeah. though, quite a few times yeah. actually. But but in any, but the other lawyer is trying to also make you look dumb or, or win the case, right? Maybe not make you look dumb, but win the case at, at, at the expense of your client. And, and your client can be in the court watching this too, also putting a lot of pressure on you. So so that experience and, and really having so much unknown is very, very intimidating and very challenging. And, and this is the reason a lot of litigators actually don't become real trial lawyers because that that is such a hard hump to get over. I mean, going back to the ultimate question, that was the work-life balance piece, mm -hmm. right? And, and so when we talk about work-life balance and we talk about um, how hard you can push yourself and, and entering the court or, or, or whatever, I mean, I'm not just talking about from the litigation standpoint. I mean, that's our, our background as trial lawyers and that's what we, we know and that's what we speak to. But it's, I don't think it's any different as a solicitor trying to learn yeah. securities law or, or, you know, any sort of those commercial conveyances or any of those stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, it's difficult to understand the clauses and learn through those things and get those experiences. But the, the reality, and I think the ultimate answer, and I don't know if you agree with this, but my, my ultimate answer to the work-life balance piece is attack experiences. Attack experiences, mm -hmm. get as many experiences as you can and push yourself through as many experiences as you can so that you have as much behind you or, or you know, uh, you've, you've climbed as much of that mountain as you can so that when, when 
when you get older and and when the clients are expecting a lot more from you you're you're able to do those things you're able to take care of them ultimately and that that's the thing is you need to get yourself to a skill set where you can take care of people and you, you no matter what anyone says you don't come out of law school being able to be a lawyer and, and yeah. it takes takes time it's 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 a practice that you have to work at and so i mean you know, I, I like we don't work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, not even close to that. We have both have rich social lives, families. So these are things that I mean, in my life and your life have coexisted. But but there's always there's stresses on those those factors for both of us because there it is it is a very demanding profession in terms of time. It is. This goes back to managing you know, managing your yeah. your your life and, and the work life balance pieces you need to I think in a lot of ways you also need to set boundaries too. I mean, you got to find ways to, it's so tough not to take work home with you. It's Mm -hmm. so tough. I mean, to try and turn your brain off is the the hardest thing because you've got a case that you're working on and it it consumes you. It's all consuming and and you you can't turn it off and you go home and, you know, you try and spend time with your family or your friends and and all you're thinking about is the case or or what's happening tomorrow. And I mean, I think that's the the difficult thing, which also comes with experience. I think that's something you get more comfortable knowing, okay, well, I've got a mediation tomorrow. Well, I've done yeah, 500 mediations. It, it's easier for me to go to that mediation. But if it's your first mediation, it's terrifying, and and yeah. you're not going to be able to spend time with your family or your friends that yeah. evening because you're so worried about that mediation. So it's 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 all part of this. You need to run your race. You need to climb that hill, and you need to get up as high up that hill as possible, as quick as possible, and and do it at your own pace. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think we've covered everything on this topic, unless you had anything else. No, I think that's everything. Thanks, Luke. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to the Luke Bryan Show. That's a, that's a wrap on another episode. All right. You're watching The Luke Bryan Show.